Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. Today I have 2014 National Champion and CEO of Project Alpha Management, Evan Spencer. Evan won the National Championship at Ohio State, um, which is one of my least favorite teams, but Evan's a pretty cool dude. I had a lot of fun getting to talk to him. What it was like from college to the draft process. He was in the NFL for a couple years, um, retired for the NFL, and then started his finance route uh, and what he's been able to do with his relationship capital with what he's learned through football and how he's capable of impacting lives evan is doing some really really interesting things in the cannabis area as well as the the venture capital area so it was a lot of fun just to hear what he's been through what he's done and how you know moving forward what he plans on doing so i really hope you guys enjoy this conversation with evan yes. Well, today we have uh, former, no, I guess it's not former. You're always a national champion, 2014 national champion with little T-O-S-U, the Ohio State Buckeyes, uh, played for the Redskins, played for the Buccaneers in the NFL, and is now the current CEO of Project Alpha, uh, Evan Spencer. Thanks, man. Hey, how's it going, man? Absolutely. Anytime. I'm glad to be on. It's a good day to be alive. So I purposely did not tell you this, the the multiple times that we've spoken since we met but ohio state is like my least favorite team of all time like right next to like the philadelphia yeah. eagles i well, can't I, I hope that i can do my best to like <laughs> give a sliver more of a you know a bit of love on this no, side i mean you have to have <laughs> villains right like everybody you need a villain i like i hate the patriots but it, sports yeah. are better when they're good i hate the yankees but you know what i mean so i don't mind ohio state being good but i have a very good friend of mine uh, I was in his wedding. He's going to be in mine. And he went to Ohio State. So I think there's that extra level of hatred because yeah. I want him to be sad all the time. We're really good <laughs> yeah, you got to give him crap. Exactly. So, hey, I went, to, I went to high school in Chicago. So though you probably don't know much of the dynamic, um, a lot of people like to hate on the, uh, the Ohio State fan there. And then obviously you tie in all of my family ties. Anytime I think that when we played LSU in the, in the uh, national championship in we unfortunately got routed. That was definitely a time where everybody, like, probably had like 50 to 70 text messages to my phone, just like, oh, Evan, are you watching the game? Like, no, of course, of course I'm watching this, you know, this terrible game. Or oh, whatever. goodness. Uh, definitely can feel that. So, uh, but Good no, where, where, where's your team, if you don't mind me asking? Well, so, yeah, so that's actually the, uh, that's the thing. So I, I grew up a Penn State fan because my grandfather okay. was a big Penn State fan. And a few years back, I decided, you know what? I don't really want to be a Penn State fan anymore um, <laughs> for a couple different reasons. So I, I do not, I absolutely do not root for Penn State anymore. But some of that hatred still sticks around. So I still pay attention to the Big Ten all the time. I still see what's going on. Yep. Um, and now it's kind of cool. Like I'm a pretty just agnostic college football fan. I just love this sport. Um, So I'm just there for the game. I mean, the best game I watched all year was the Clemson Ohio state game. Whoever won, it didn't matter. That was the best game I was going to watch all year. Um, So, you know, I'm, I'm all, I'm all for it. Um, 
but yeah, I just I wanted to hold that back uh, until when we clicked record. Just so <laughs> yeah, no, I'm a real totally person. Good. Honesty, integrity, transparency. I'm all about it. Um, once that record button's clicked, so um, I'm with it. Man. I'm with it. I, I really do appreciate you hopping on today, even after I bash you a little bit. But um, <laughs> you're the one who won the national championship, so all in good fun. Doesn't yeah. really matter. Um, so yeah, man. Uh, the first question I want to ask, and I ask this to everybody, is where does your love of sports come from? Hmm. My love of sports, you know, I I feel like in my background and realistically from my family, um, it's so centered around football from day one. Um, you know, I, I don't want to say that that was really the direction as to why I chose football, why, you know, I have all these other athletic passions of mine. But, you know, I think for me, it was really just a way to express myself on the field. Like if it was football, I knew that, you know, I, as I was finding out my body could do some certain things that were, um, you know, better than others. I was either running faster, or cutting better, et cetera. Right. But like for me, you know, it's not like an art, like I'm painting a picture or whatever, but I mean, it's just like executing things that, you know, you have a skill set for, right. It's, it's a good feeling. And obviously you, you get a lot of, um, you know, happy feelings, et cetera, from it. So um, for me, that's probably where it all started. Right. I mean, I think that, uh, football, I have you know, such a long history in, but, you know, across many different sports growing up, whether that was track or whether that's golf or, you know, others, I just, you know, I, I always found, you know, my most expressive self while being out there playing, having fun with others. Absolutely, man. It's uh, it's interesting. So you brought up art for a second. And I always think, you know, people, in my opinion, the coolest job you could possibly have is get paid to be a creative, right? Like you get to you get to be expressive, you get to do what you want. And, and football, that can be a creative outlet for you, right? You can do things, as you said, that you're, you're finding out your body's doing these new things that, especially when you're younger, you're like, whoa, I had no idea I could do that. Right. So it's really cool. Let me tell you that that was painful too. Right. So like (laughs) figuring out that I was going to stretch out to six, two in a couple of months, I didn't really think that my knees were going to be as bad as they were. So, you know, there's some give and take there, but you know, all in all, again, it just kind of speaks to the the fun of going out there with at the time some of my best friends and then just you know playing and competing yeah man no it's 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 awesome and and just being able to go out there as you said and have fun and get paid to do that um is also just a great way um yeah i mean there's really no other thing that i mean what what kid doesn't grow up saying you know hey i want to do be a professional athlete in some way shape or form right right? you know i mean and and just to think about this from like a perspective perspective standpoint most individuals are coming up from that like looking outside in wanting to grow up and be there like when I was that age playing backyard football at Thanksgiving or whatever right like I had already gone to every uh, bowl game for Ohio State since you know, say I'm 10 at this point for the last nine years right so I've watched Eddie George win a Heisman I have a picture next to his Heisman trophy as a little kid with glasses that were more circular than these Right. So like, as I watched all these individuals go through it, you know, you talk about like a burning desire for excellence, but then realizing that, holy cow, I, you know, I have a talent, a gift, and that gift might actually enable me to start figuring out ways to make money, um, you know, and, and, and really try to build out what that athletic career could look like. It's, it's exciting to kind of chase down, uh, you know, a lot of those pathways, but for me, it was just such a unique perspective to watch and learn from guys that were doing it as I was young. That's amazing. I did not know that you 
you were such a big Ohio State fan growing up the whole time. I mean, that is that's some storybook stuff, then. That's incredible. So, yeah, I think it'll be worthwhile to pair back slightly here. So context here, my dad uh, played here at Ohio State. He, he went to high school in St. Clairsville, Ohio, um, and played football here at Ohio State. Is the fifth leading rusher in Ohio State history now. A couple of my friends have passed him, which is kind of funny. Uh, but no, all in all, he then he went into the uh, USFL and then uh, actually played the Chargers for uh, six plus years. But that's it. I was born in San Diego. We moved back here to Columbus when my dad was coaching with the uh, uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes. He got a job as a running backs coach after retiring. Um, so for ten years, running backs coach for Eddie George, right? Uh, I think he either recruited or had Antonio Pittman his first year, but Jonathan Wells. Yeah, Maurice Claret, a lot of these other names that are very prominent from a you know output on the field perspective. That was you know their their coach, their mentor as they were growing up. But then you know bringing it back down to Evan Spencer, the kid on the you know on, on the show now, it's you know I was looking up to that. Right? I was the the dude who slipped through a couple players' pads at practice and was in the offensive huddle as Craig Krenzel's getting ready for the O2 national championship, right? Like. That happened. Coach Tress was laughing. I'm sure my dad was cussing me off the field. So, like, you know, but again, right, like, you take those perspectives. And for me, realizing then as I got to high school that I could compete at a high level and that that level was higher than everybody else that I was playing with, right, it's like, holy cow, okay, now's my time. I, I have all of these assets or tools that I can now use from an experience standpoint and hopefully um, let that be to my benefit going forward. And and as you said, I mean, that tool belt had to have been so full, man. I mean, just being there from such a young age yeah. and being able to see that. I mean, you know, that's yeah. always one thing, you know, the big stage, the big lights. I mean, you were there since you were, what, nine? Like, I mean, that's exactly. insane. Like, being in the huddle in 02, like, that's an amazing story. First yeah. off, that's, that's hilarious. That's, that's practice, right? But Yeah, yeah like, you know, very much. Still, but... Yeah. but I mean, being there and seeing the intensity, seeing the players, seeing mm. the coaches and what they're going through, that almost becomes second nature to you at that point. So when you do finally get there, it's not as big as a step as some of these other guys are going yeah. through, right? There's, it's, it's a lot. It's obviously you're still, it's different. But at yeah. the same time, that it's such a smaller gap that you have to get over that yeah. I, I could see that playing a huge role in you being calm, cool, collected, and poised yeah. in, in such big games such as the 2014 national championship. Yeah. So let me belay, not belabor the point too long here, but I'll, I'll add another. So my brother, um, though he walked on at Northern Illinois, um, now is the uh, national scout for the Washington Redskins. So they divide the country into halves. So he and another individual take uh, the nation. But that said, he's been for the last eight to nine plus years, uh, been scaling his way through the organization with the Washington Redskins. Okay. So you remember where I was drafted, right? So mm-hmm. come draft day, I'm in the basement figuring out, oh, shoot, I play against that guy. We kicked their butt, and, you know, that dude sucks. I'm better than him. But, you know, these are all just thoughts as you're, as you're wishing your name goes, goes, goes off the ticker. But then, you know, I get a call from a number I'm not expecting, click it up, you know, and, and I hear my brother's voice. And the first thought immediately is, like, you know, all of the stories you hear of friends that give prank calls. Yep. Like oh, no, you're not drafted, but, hey, how's it going? Uh, so that was the first time I'm like, oh, wait, you know, what's going on? He's like, dude, we're about to pick you in the sixth round of the 187th pick. And at the time, he's, you know, the Northeastern scout. Scouts didn't get the call the draft picks. But, you know, from that perspective, it was that he did. And I bring this whole crazy, unique story up to say that, like, again, to build on 
uh, an additional perspective, right? Like my brother had counsel me in terms of what agent I was going to pick. Um, I stayed at my brother's place while I was there. And, and, and while there, we were talking about just you know, potential personalities in the organization, how to position yourself with relationships. You know, like these guys work hard, these guys don't. And if you bust your butt, you probably have a good chance. You know, just real type of mm-hmm. objective conversations. But, um, you know, not many people next to nobody had that option. So, you know, for me, it's like, again, right, like I got this, this, this tool belt that's just weighing me down, but you can, you can either sit there and have it be heavy or you can have a million assets that are all uh, kind of behind you. And that was at least my positioning and still is. Yeah. I mean, that's a great analogy. I mean, yes, it can weigh you down because of expectations and because of all these other things, obviously your dad played, um, your brother is clearly very, very, uh, very well off within uh, the organization at the time. And, you know, but if you start taking out those tools and using them in whatever situation, that tool belt gets a little lighter and you get a little, yeah. you, you can do your job a little bit better. Um, so exactly. I think that that's, that's a great analogy um, and is absolutely fantastic. So I do want to, I do obviously want to get to, I mean, the draft story, that's, that's just awesome. I mean, what are the chances you know, that like, yeah, that is no, just so cool. I mean, was, I hope yeah, it was crazy. Like that is, yeah. As you said, not too many people. And just like, um, just a couple of stories that you brought up. I mean, you know, Muhammad Sanu, I think he, I went to Rutgers. So uh, mm-hmm. that one's always very famous among campus that a bunch mm-hmm. of people found his number and just started calling him, um, told him <laughs> he got drafted. And then, uh, you know, he actually did eventually get drafted by I think the yeah. same team, if I'm not mistaken, I can't remember exactly what it was, but there's so many stories like that. And I could totally understand it. Um, Maybe not to that extent, but I could totally get where you're coming from and understand and wanting to be drafted and saying, Hey man, like we killed them. Why, why is he going before me? Like I torched that defensive back. What is he doing going up this high? So it is very interesting. Um, you know, the, there, there's, there's obviously in professional sports, you have to have some ego, right? Like you have to know. There's gotta be a version of separation once talent is matched, right? And that that's mindset. Right. Yep. So uh, it can be labeled ego, it can be labeled mindset, how you approach and attack the field, you know, all kind of referencing the same thing. And yeah. I, I think it is awesome. Um, so with, uh, with that, so you're at Ohio State, um, you win a national championship, you guys beat Alabama in that game. That game was insane. I remember staying yeah. up late to watch that. Um, completely roll the ducks that was a joke so really the national championship was you versus alabama ohio state alabama that year but (laughs) you beat oregon so it is what it is um i mean what is what is that like i mean again growing up being at the practices in 02 with with coach trestle with your father um seeing what these guys are going through as you you've already name dropped a couple of the incredible ohio state running backs that your dad got to to coach and mentor um what, what is that full circle moment when you get to touch the trophy, when you get to lift the trophy, knowing that, yeah. you know, this is, this has kind of been coming for the last 10 years, 12 years at this point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a lot of hard work to get there, but oh, like, of I, course. Mean, I think that it was just such a surreal moment. I mean, like, there's even more that we can get into here in a bit, but like, I don't know, for, for me even more so. And, you know, obviously my dad having been there in 02 and having rushed the field and, you know, and, and earlier in that year, having taken the picture with C. Grant, been on the front of the Clums dispatch, like it gets crazier. But, um, you know, for me, it was just more or less the fact that, like, we, in my career, when I got to Ohio State, I, the year before, uh, which at the time, I didn't think I did absolutely anything wrong. I mean, I still take that stance, but had to make a public, public apology afterwards because of it, um, which we can comment on later. Uh, but, you know, when at the time we had to run like 22 or 23 games in a row 
and we had to do media after a practice. And at the time, Florida State and Alabama were two of the other undefeated teams. Um, and it wasn't set up yet to where we were going to have the chance to play them. And reporters were asking, oh, well, how do you think you'll fare? Right. So uh, uh, an individual who's trending to be captain of his team in the, in the next year to come, having won 22 to 23 games straight, uh, you know, took the stance of, hey, I know that I'm taking my guys against everybody. and We're going to wipe the floor against anybody we play. That includes Florida State and Alabama. Uh, I had a call from my, or I got a call from my brother before I got back to my house that day, um, and he just said, "Turn on ESPN." Oh no! I turned on ESPN, and Skip Bayless and Stephen A. were going in on me for a while, but then uh, got to you know, the Alabama game. So I bring that funny story up to tell you that, like for me, you know, it was also an additional or piece of extra credit in the fact that, like, I had that happen to me personally my junior year, right, and of realistically no fault of my own i don't see any wrongdoing in that let me to be honest uh but then to then say okay well we get to play you know the, the the team that won that year the team that was number one right we get to then have our shot at them did they lose guys sure yeah but here and now we get to play them and to out physical them in, in a game where they're seen as the dominant force in football right and just to take it to them drive after drive and not be scoring off of you know from a consistent standpoint, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, my play was a trick play, but like not be you know tricking whatever I'm all the way down the field, but figuring out structural ways how to beat a physical football team like that was so huge for me. And then obviously going on and rolling over Oregon was kind of a foregone conclusion after that. But um, you know, again, long-winded way of kind of painting this perspective for why it was so important to me. But obviously, there's family and uh, the personal reasons for the media in the process. Mm-hmm. And and with the media, I mean, as you said, like, you didn't do anything wrong. Like, of course you should say, I think my team's going to win. Like, exactly. of course you should say, I'm pretty confident, you know, look at these guys, they're incredible. We just yeah. crushed Wisconsin 59 to nothing or whatever it was. Um, yeah. But but at the same time, like, there might have been a better way to do it, I guess, right? Like, it's, well, it's I mean, so, that's so, the thing. That's the wisdom. That's the growth, right? Exactly. Exactly. It's all about the mechanism of delivery, right? Like, you know, now hindsight, looking back at this, and there were learning lessons. Do I take the stance that, like, you know, we still beat them? So I had that kind of confidence and that mantra behind me, yeah. Uh, but, you know, in in the instance when the question is asked, right, to take a moment to intake the question, breathe, right, and then just say, yes, hey, while I actually do feel that, you know, we as a program can beat anybody that we play, I, I, I still respect the accomplishments and achievements of other company or another company. Jeez, that's, that's where my mind is. I now. was going to say, you're there uh, now. <laughs> you're there now. Uh, where, where, uh, where, where other teams are in the, in the league or on the country. And if there are two that you're mentioning here, um, I think it would be a great game, but you know, I, I feel confident in my guys and, you know, I'm going to hold my, hold my thoughts to that. Right. That's the post having gone through it response, but the, the the underlying Evan thought going in the back of my head is still the same. That, yeah. You know, you're asking an individual who's a, trending to be a captain of an organization that has not lost in over a year and a half uh, if they feel like they're going to beat another undefeated team. Um, you know, of course, that's going to be my response. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. Why wouldn't it be right? I mean, it's, uh, it it makes sense, but that's also the 20 year old kid, right. You know, and now Mm a little bit older, a little bit wiser, you've seen some more things. I mean, what is, what's the, what's the great quote? Youth is wasted on the young, right? Like, uh, (laughs) there's, there's so much, um, that, you know, at at 22, that I thought was a hundred percent correct that by 24, I was like, I'm an idiot. What am I talking about? So, you know, the older, the older you get, the more experience you have, it's just, it's kind of natural that, You'll get better at talking in front of a camera and you'll get better at saying the right saying again, saying the right thing, just in a better way. Uh, And that's, I mean, that's politicking, that's playing the game and you know, everybody's kind of have to do it at some point or another. And uh, I guess you learn the hard way, right? But Hey, it's a lesson. So, and plus you guys want, so who the hell cares? It doesn't even matter. (laughs) I mean, yeah. I mean, dude, you gotta think like, I mean, as I'm sure you're probably familiar with, uh, all of us are 18 years old. Exactly. Under the spotlight of tens of millions of Buckeye fans across the globe, and every sentence is scrutinized over uh, is that too far? Where's the line that we're setting for this week? You know, we can take an aggressive stance here, and you can't comment here at. You know, and, and literally six months ago, I was figuring out what my prom dress was going to be, and if we were all going to uh, the, the water park together uh-huh. the next day, right? So, yep. but for context, and, and, and I know this probably doesn't relate to you much because of your career in, in media, but for the, you know, the, the standard individual who just went and continued to go to school, right? Like they had their failures in college and then a few other ones, and then they started to learn from it. Now they're at a very good place. We all at Ohio State, given that it is a brand, right, had to get that maturity done in a three-month time frame or shorter, right? So, you know, again, another one of those heavy pieces of uh, you know, that wrench in this, you know, toolbox analogy that, you know, that helps us all. But uh, at least for me, you know, I kind of failed through my way on that process. And if you can do that by, you know, not repeating the same failures and learning from them, then, you know, you going to be net positive at the end of the day yeah as long as you learn a lesson from it it's not a failure um it might come off like that to some people and you're right i mean i've been on those reddit uh like forums and those reddit boards man that ooh, i mean any college football fan base is insane (laughs) you have these like 45 year old dudes just you know talking about you know what's going on again we we don't know my split on that formation right it's how can you sit there and tell me that i messed up there it's uh it's, it's incredible how scrutinized, you know, 18-year-old kids are. Um, but yeah. you're right. Ohio State's a brand. And as we all know, there's a lot of money in college football. And there's a lot of, I mean, fan is short for fanatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, you know, hand up. I've said some things. As you see, I'm wearing yeah. a giant sweatshirt. I'm sure oh, yeah. I've said some very mean things. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's all love in the end. And it's all because we love these sports. So it's just kind of how totally. it works, man. It's just how it works. So totally. you win the national championship your junior season, correct? Uh, senior season. Senior actually, season. Yeah. Okay. So then you are then drafted. Um, that upcoming year. So that why first off, that wide receiving core was insane in college. Yeah, we um, were ill for sure. That we was liked. a lot of fun to watch. Um, so getting drafted, uh, having to wait till the sixth round. I mean, what is, what is the draft process like? I've never actually gotten to ask someone who has yeah. been drafted. Like, what is that process like? I mean, you have the combine, you have all the media, you have you know, as as we said, people scrutinizing every single play you've had throughout yeah. you know your entire four year career. What is that like? And kind of what does that do to your psyche or what does that do to your mental awareness and understanding like all this negative shit is just coming out at like bombarding you constantly, just constantly. Um, It's honestly, it's, it's such a interesting process that I never want to have to go through again. And I I wish that it was, you know, better. And I don't even really know how to define better, Mm -hmm. but 
um, you know, for, for context, like we got to think. So all of us then go, okay, now we're about to be drafted. And then we go immediately into training for draft prep or for combine or for pro days you know, preparation. And then if you go to the combine, you know, the first day that you're there, mind you, you're going to have like six hours of sleep all three or five days that you're there. Um, and then you're going to compete on the last day. But on all of those days prior, you're stepping into a room of 60 doctors or at least 32 at a minimum lead doctors that literally are just looking at you like you know, analyzing you like a piece of meat, which effectively that's what the business that's being run on is you. Right. But, you know, I think you brought up a good point. Like, what does that do to a person's psyche that says, well, you know, I'm I, I'm still an intellectual person that can still add value to the mm -hmm. world in these other areas. And yes, I mean, I. I get it, right? But sometimes certain individuals have a, have issues like decoupling that, right? So then it bleeds into like, am I less than because now I'm only seen as being able to run a fourth? Yeah, I can run a fourth three. But like, did you ask me if my foundation is saving millions of people's lives? Like, uh, you know, so from that perspective, I think it does put an interesting dynamic on um, a lot of athletes and many over the majority come out on the top side with, you know, a, a, a very sturdy mentality, uh, you know, but, you know, at, at, at its own right, you do go through this hyper you know, evaluation phase where it is very physical and it's how, you know, I, I'm evaluating your overall potential by what your body can physically output. Uh, you know, there's pluses and minuses to that, both physically and mentally. Uh, but, you know, it's, uh, it, it's interesting. It's a trying process. It's fun when you get to do it with your friends, but uh, you know, when you got to fly across the country and you're doing it with a bunch of guys that you didn't really get the chance to play with, you know, it adds another layer. You're on a team and you know, maybe you don't jive with the team or maybe you do jive with the team. That's another layer, right? So it's just an interesting six months of your life, really. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I literally cannot imagine what that is like. Um, no one has ever examined my body and said like i wonder what your output is most people yeah, say it, hey you're all right at talking yeah, i can right. only imagine man i can yeah. only imagine but it, it's it's incredible you got to go through it again i'm sure you know as you said you probably wish it was better but i'm sure you wouldn't trade it for the world because now totally. again you've learned totally. and you've had the opportunity um to you know get get drafted in the nfl man and that's yeah. you know, i know we see 252 i think every single year but it's still a very very small percent of the population man so i think it's very it's true. incredible coming out of college one interesting thing now that I just thought of it, like with winning the national championship immediately, then going into that process, was there, was there any extra scrutiny? Was there any extra like target on your back from some guys from other teams or rival teams? Was there anything like that? Or was it pretty much like by that time, Hey, it's, you know, I'm Evan Spencer now draft eligible prospect, or was it, yeah. Hey man, you just won a national championship. I want to get drafted before you, you know, yeah. was there anything like that going on? Honestly, I didn't feel that at all, which was so awesome. Like it's it's really like you you cross this hurdle, and you know there's still some some lingering attachments with our relations with those guys up north that play for Michigan, right? But for the most part, you know you cross that hurdle, and now it's just hey, we all are the best of the best, getting paid to go, you know, make art or create on the field, right? So at that point, you know you're kind of seen from that way. Uh, I will say what I kind of thought you were gonna get get to, to mentioning towards, which is fine and you know, definitely good all in all, but uh, the timeline of how that, that, that plays out, right? So season, or we'll just call camp, what's that, last week of July, 
all the way through November, um, your championship game December, bowl season all the way through December, first game at New Year's, practice all the way then to the bowl or to the national championship of say the middle of January, say fifteenth, and then you only get three to four weeks before the combine happens at the end of February, right? So now you're thinking about, oh, okay, well, that's combine training all the way to February. So then what happens after that? Oh, well, you're about to go into rookie minicamp. So you continue to train. Then you go into rookie minicamp, which is right around the draft time to get drafted. That goes all the way till the middle of July. Then you get a month and a half, which is your first time to really take a breath to finish super long season plus training. You get a month and a half breath. And then guess what? Camp starts first week of July, and the NFL season is 16 weeks long, not 12 now, 16. So you see dudes who pop hamstrings, they'll do ankle injuries, et cetera, right? But, like, think of the timeline of how all of that happens and where you're expected to be physically and the demand that that puts on your body. I cannot imagine that. I've never done anything close to it, and, you know, that's why I've lived vicariously through people like you, Evan. I appreciate it. No, I get you. I get you. It's important to shed light on it. I'm not... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. You're perfect. You're perfect. (laughs) It it is incredible, um, you know, what athletes all athletes across any sport put their bodies through and especially football with just the physical nature of it. Um, I mean, the physicality of practice itself, as you said, I mean, with all of that happening, I'm sure it was a little different in college because of the extra rules and regulations. But once, once you're in the NFL, I mean, yes, there's rules and regulations, but you know, let's be honest, you have to do what you have to do. You want to get paid. You want to become a superstar. You have to work harder than the next guy. And he's trying to work harder than you. So that is a, that is a very, very long year um, that, yeah, I can understand some of the negative aspects of that coming out. And, and as you said, you know, a lot of people get hurt in that time because yeah. your body needs time to rest, man. Your yeah. body needs time to rest. It's insane. It really does. Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, it's sad, but like you see some of the most, the, the biggest names, it'll be unfortunate, but mark my words, some of the biggest names that'll go off the board in the first, second, and third round there'll be a large number of hamstrings if those were teams that traveled deep into the, into the playoffs or just like minor muscle injuries because you're just asking so much of your body, right? I mean, but it's, it's no different. If you are a, um, you're a lawyer going into the LSATs and the LSAT tests are say X number of time of training and then the test, and then you go right into, uh, you know, school or in a different example, say it's, you're in a financial analyst program at, at, at Goldman Sachs and it's only going to be two years and that's two years of grinding. And then there's going to be an exam for your series six or 66 or your three or seven, whatever it's going to be. And then after that, it's okay. Well, after this program, what's my next approach, right? It's all the same. Like I, I feel like sports are great because it bleeds all of what the world's events are about to be together. Right. And it makes you act objectively in the moment as quick as you have to. I mean, at that level, right, Mm -hmm. the decisions that you have to make are so quick that like it starts to prepare you for what those instances look like when the subject matter is not a piece of leather, but a pen on a deal that's been reviewed 30 times by legal. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's it is, you know, you're in a very high level industry. You're doing something that is very coveted. So, you know, as investment banking is a great, great example. I mean, I know some people that they, you don't have a life for two years 
in the mm-hmm. investment banking world, right? Those first two years yeah. are, well, what time did you get into the office? How much work did you do? And, you know, hopefully you got your three hours of sleep last night. Yeah. Um, and it is, you know, that's just the way it is. I personally couldn't do something like that um, or <laughs> yeah. want to, but uh, I mean, it's, it's, you have to do what you have to do. Yeah, exactly. You have to yeah. do. And then you, you also bring up a good point. I mean, the physical nature of what you have to do playing that long of a season. What about the mental aspects of all that? Mm-hmm. Again, going back to, you know, Again, getting hit over and over again. I mean, look at just as an example, Andrew Luck. He didn't. Like, he could have kept playing, right? We all kind right. of know that. He just didn't want to go through the rehabilitation process right. and getting hurt. Getting hurt's not fun. Like you know, we look at it, it's like, oh, this guy had back surgery. All right, well, we'll see from. We'll see him in nine yeah. months. We'll see him in a year. Yeah. Well, he's not just going to see himself yeah. in a year. He has to go through the rehabilitation. He has to go through the pain every single morning, and totally. and then the pain far after that. I mean, what's that aspect of it like with that, especially that long of a season? Um, yeah, man. It, it's got to be insane. There isn't a player on any team that makes it through 16 weeks unscathed. I'm telling you, if oh you my got God, somebody no. that raises their hand and says that, they're a liar, right? But as you start thinking about this, that means everybody to a man or a woman who's coaching, et cetera, right? Um, like every person there um, is going to have to play hurt. So mentally, let's think about this. I know that in a dangerous game where bodies are going to be flying around, my body can't give me 100% protection. So let's start thinking about the mental you know, stability of where my, my head has to be from a overall protection standpoint, trying to play hurt standpoint. Yeah, my, I broke my leg and that's a six month deal, but did anybody really think about you know, the oxidation of the rust that's in my, in my leg and how that's going to kick my six months to nine months? But hey, in the media, the coaches and the offensive coordinators are getting drained by pressure. The reasons why Evan Spencer uh, or Michael aren't on the field, right? So we got to get them out there. And guess what? You push them out there a little bit too soon. You plant the wrong way and bad things happen. So, you know, I, I think you bring light to a very important, you know, another dynamic, right? It's, it is the best and most fun game. And I feel like, uh, you know, from a preparation and a life standpoint, there isn't a sport that preps individual. I mean, golf's there too, because I'm a golfer. So I, I can definitely say that that's another one. But, you know, from a standpoint of if you aren't there making the proper protections, analyzing whatever risk that you have going across the middle properly, you have an immediate physical response that will teach you not to do it again. Right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> rela- rela- relations to life. Exactly. So, um, I don't know. I, I can go on tangents and I probably got slightly off topic on the question, but nope. I, I think all of those are you know, very important. It, it all, it all makes sense. And it's all something that, you know, we, we as just fans of the sport wrongfully in most situations, your number, you know, Saquon's number 26. Mm-hmm. And if he's on the field, the giants have a better chance. And if he's off the field, that really stinks. Totally. Totally. Um, and I want him on the field. I want him to stay healthy, but, Wayne Gallman's coming in now and let's see what he can do. You know, right. It's, it's an unfortunate just nature of sports in general. Like we want Mm -hmm. you to be healthy. I would never wish for anyone to get injured, but at the same time, once you are, it's okay. Out of sight, out of mind. Like what, what can this guy do and how, how can the giants win today? You know? So 
it is what it is. And, you know, you make a great point. You will get an immediate reaction to going over the middle and your body will be like, hey, man, please don't do that again. That wasn't (laughs) fun. Um, And mentally, I mean, that's going to drain on you. That's going to do so much stuff. And, and, you know, I, I can only imagine what, you know, having to go through that time and time again, day in, day out for that long of a season, that long of a year, specifically the one you're talking about where it starts in July and then you have to go through all the rookie training camps and everything and the mini camps and having to figure all that out is, is, is insane. I mean, that is just such a drain on your, your body, but mentally, um, just having, cause you have to stay a hundred percent mentally. Cause if you're not, you have a better chance of getting injured, right? You know, it's just totally. like, a, it's this ridiculous kind of like back and forth where if you're not a hundred percent mentally, you might lapse, you might go over the middle, you might make the wrong read and you will get hurt. So your body will then say, Hey man, we said not to do this. What are you doing? Right. No, I mean, there's, there, there's no doubt about it. I, I think that, right. Like now relating that to like, Hey, we have layoffs. Um, you know, there's an immediate response that I'm either going to, you know, act unintentionally or, you know, just say, Hey, everything is happening to me. Um, you know, or I'm going to say, well, I'm providing unique value to this company. So I'm going to keep doing that. I'm going to shine as much light on this as possible to know that that thing that's going to happen that I've been hearing about, right. It, it doesn't have any magic. Right. So I think that, going over the middle to the point that we're talking about is a painful example or analogy of the latter version. Mm -hmm. So again, it's just like, how can you mold those types of things that you got yourself to in place once before into real life examples, right? Absolutely. uh, So many great examples of guys that have done it incredibly that I'm looking up to, but there's also, um, you know, a few examples that, we in the media shedding light on, um, you know, will help them because they aren't as successful at that transition and, um, you know, giving help to those cats in, in any way possible, uh, you know, is one of the legacies I wish to leave. So if I'm belaboring it, I apologize, but no, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's just about care for people. Really. Yeah. I mean, caring for people is, it's, it's, it's an innate human quality, right? It's an attribute that we all should be you know, practicing on a daily basis, not just doing, but practicing and actually getting out there and doing something about it. Um, and I appreciate that about you, man. That is, that is awesome. And it's, it's definitely something that, um, you know, I look forward to hearing more about and, and seeing your name more in the, in the news because of all these good things that you're doing as well. Not yeah. just the fact that you have done great things in the past but because you're continuing to do the good things in the future. Um, totally. So you already, you already told us the story about getting drafted by the Redskins, your brother mm-hmm. giving you a call. That is incredible. Um, you were let go by the Redskins, right? Injury, if I'm not mistaken, if you want to dive into that story a little bit, you know, what, it, yeah. what was that like and, and kind of, you know, getting the shot and then almost having it taken away from you immediately? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it definitely was tough, right? So this was the first year of um, NFL's concussion protocol. So very high sensitivity around making sure that guys were, uh, you know, adequately protected and nobody's going to, you know, be standing up woozy. but um, in- one that there is say if if this is the line and you know here's too much and here's too little there's a lot of this type of protection to make sure that hey we've been getting pressure and we need a protocol and we need to make sure that guys aren't getting up and playing right so I insert Evan situation I through the preseason was having a great camp and then the third preseason game yeah third preseason game going over the middle in uh, the red zone and just like kind of wasn't looking and we, right. But my perspective of 
yes, it was from an optics perspective, looked like a bad collision, but stood right up, passed all of my like concussion protocol tests on the field in the locker room the next day, um, but then was withheld from working. Right, so now I say, uh, or I couldn't, um, I couldn't play that next week, couldn't practice that next week either. Right, so I had passed all of my team's uh, um, neurological tests given that like hey can you play can't you play but an independent uh, neuropsychologist that is appointed by the nfl in this first year of this concussion protocol says that eh, no probably not not yet right so but what what's do when you have a 53-man roster that evan has made but you have two guys that now aren't going to be on on rock for the first two weeks for whatever reason uh, so you need to bring two up so evan can't play for the first week, so we probably gotta have to. Okay, so now it's a layer deeper into. You get bumped off the 53-man roster, and you were bumped off hurt. You can't practice for. You can't watch film for six weeks. You can't eat lunch with the team for six weeks. You can't be in the facility at all for six weeks. It's changed. I'm not sure, but this is what it was when I was there. So I say, how am I going to be able to compete at the highest level possible? and you know, continue to build my career in football if I'm not even going to be able to you know, go against the next best guys for this long. So uh, with uh, the Tampa Bay, or the Tampa Bay Buccaneer work, I was second, first one was with the Patriots, but um, that process led me to Tampa, and um, I'm sure you got to be there, but at least that's how I landed there and you know, was in, a, in, in an environment to start off that was awesome and productive, and I worked from the bottom up to making it on the team, and, you know, I, I definitely, there was a lot of proud moments in that year for sure. And your dad was on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers staff, correct? Correct, yeah. So, so at the going time, from your brother dad, to your dad, that's, that's pretty sweet, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, having the chance to play on the team that he was coaching on was definitely very, very unique and awesome for sure. But um, I think part of, the, part of the reason why the decision was an overrunner for me is like all growing up, my dad was – objective almost to like a him and I fault right like it mm-hmm. would be like so much and it like it, it, that that was the ultimate propeller to success I think right but I knew there was to be a fair shake where I wasn't going to get bumped off injured and wasn't really because I was injured is this situation who's really getting away like getting a, an objective fair shake was what I just wanted because I knew that I my athletic abilities were good enough to play and to make it and I could continue to fit what I can do there um so you know I then took the workout under that context and they were like hey man no you're not going anywhere we're going to max you on practice squad contract and we want you to be here learn our system play with our guys and we'll see if you know maybe you fit the team and throughout the season I, I proved that I did that's incredible man and congratulations on that well deserved as you said proved it from the bottom up um I do think it's cool that you got to hang out with your brother for a little bit, then go hang out with your dad. Yeah. It's nice. Keep it in yeah. the family. It's always exactly. more enjoyable. It, but it, um, cool. that, that is pretty sweet, getting to share that moment with some of your family, uh, immediate family especially, definitely makes it just a little bit sweeter. Um, so you were on the Bucks for a year, correct? Correct, yes. Okay. So, um, that, uh, well, I, I'll let you ask your question. I think I know where it's going. Now. Well, what, what happened? Only so a year? At, at the end of that season, um, was unfortunately Coach Lovey Smith's last season with Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So out of nowhere, 
and have improved myself with the coach that wanted to bet on me and then, you know, actually had the chance to put me active and I made plays and the active game that I played in, uh, he gets fired, right? So now insert new, or insert the new head coach. And the new head coach wanted to, you know, play from, um, let's just say I, 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 I'm 100% believer in the fact we were all competing for available jobs under the same objective light. Um, and that was frustrating for a lot of reasons that mm-hmm. you can probably imagine, right? So um, me being objective, me having failed, me showing wins, but still being young, right? Like still admitting to the faults that I had, still needing to be coached, and, you know, wanting more than anything to you know, have somebody buy into the raw talent and, and mold it. Uh, but it, more than anything, that was my personal ambition, just have an objective to be able to prove that whoever makes it was the, uh, you know, the fairest one to do so. And great relationship with all the guys that ended up did making it, but you know, I didn't feel that I got the fairest shake, right? So you know, past that season, or past that, uh, or after that, that, that camp actually ended, um, you know, I had a conversation with Dirk, and after some, uh, the, how I was uh, let go, but how they, 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 they told me that I either was on the 53-man roster for just shy of a week, and then before everybody who's on it needs to, uh, you know, make game check one, I'm bumped off minutes beforehand, like, you know, from that side, I just was like, you know what? Like, I still, as hopefully you've been able to see in this you know, uh, show so far, you know, be it, I can provide intellectual value to the world. Mm-hmm. I can leave the earth that I stand on in a better place still, right? And that's not 100% dependent on me running an inside nine for you. It's just not. Uh, and that was a realization that I had, but then I also coupled that with you know, relationship capital and realizing that now could be a perfect time to start building out what that other side looks like. And, you know, I haven't looked back since. And th- there was no, I mean, I remember when Lovey Smith got fired, if I'm not mistaken, it wasn't even after that bad of a year, right? Yeah. Like 10 and six. Exactly. exactly. Right. So like tenant, that was the first one. That was the Chicago one. Oh, uh, okay. The, okay. Okay. The Tampa firing resembled that very much so. Um, but it wasn't, we didn't have a 10 and six season. Okay. Tampa at the time was recovering from being the worst performing team in the league and then I think we finished just uh, just around middle of the pack right but climbing right mm-hmm. definitely with chemistry and we won our last couple games um, so from that perspective it was like you know, why, why fix what ain't broke or you know, whatever the, however the saying goes uh, but they felt that they could miss out on the coach to be and they decided to go in that direction so Whoops. There were a lot of outcomes that happened after the fact and, you know, my deciding to move on was one of them. So with, I mean, obviously this is a bad taste in your mouth, but there was no other like, Hey, let me, you know, there's no other teams calling for you. Your agent didn't say, Hey, I can get you, oh, you know, yeah. work no, out yeah, other there, places. Like there so definitely what, were. Yeah. No, I mean, there were, um, the Raiders called my agent a few times. The Chiefs also called my agent. I'm sure there were one or two others. Those are just ones that are, are, are most pronounced in my memory. But 
know, at that point, it was it, it was more about like me deciding that that portion of my legacy, that portion of my overall ability was only going to be so much. And it was the decision to say that now is the time that I'm still young. You know, I still have this unique notoriety value um, and I still want to learn finance. Right. All of these things you know, equaled into an equation. If there is execution, if there are the right people to mentor me is a very high peak. Right. And you know, I, I kind of really desire to know where that peak is now. Um, and only being an athlete was only going to get me so far up that mountain, I guess, is kind of my, my grander point there. Yeah, 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 a hundred percent. And and I guess from that perspective, when you look at it as only being an athlete, I mean, yeah, there is there's only so high you can go, right? Like, um, you know, there is always the opportunity for the sixth round pick to turn into either the next greatest thing, but you also have to be very honest with yourself um, and understand what's going on. Not to say that you wouldn't have been super successful if you did, uh, you know, just try and put put all your might behind it. But at the same time you're a finance guy. You did yeah. the equation as you said and you figured sure. out, hey, I can I can take my namesake right now, that capital that I currently have with what I've done um, and utilize that for something else where I'm not constantly getting my head bashed in, um, you know, 16 to 19 to 25 weeks a year, whatever it ends up being. So you made a great decision uh, because, you know, the next part I want to talk about, obviously, you know, the the asset management side um, and what you've been able to do there. I know, you know, you spent some time at Goldman Sachs, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like it, it through their interview process. Okay. Now, oh, that's the, what it was. The, the 20, the, the 29 interviews exactly. or the 35 the, interviews, whatever it the, is. The, the 26 of them made it feel as though I was a member of the You were a part of the team for, at that point. For, for so six and a half months, but uh, yeah, yeah. No, it was definitely in, in a, uh, an inclusive experience put it <laughs> so yeah i mean just just the the finance side coming from that i mean in a national champion only a few years earlier uh moving back to columbus right and understanding yeah. kind of what's going on there you were very smart with it right you went somewhere yeah. where you have a very good name where you can say and point and say hey I did that. <laughs> hey guys, totally. I did that. You want to have a conversation. I'm sure way more people are, w- are willing to have those conversations. So what was that first part like getting back to Columbus and saying, like, okay, this is what I want to do. Now let me start building up that relationship capital so that I can yeah. get to where I want to go. I mean, for me, it was like, I realized that operational finance was a passion of mine, right? So like learning how to deliver returns by adding value type of things. So, you know, I was an operator for a year and a half. I had international uh, portfolio management experience, uh, an associate at a venture capital firm, then for another, you know, just shy of a year before that, and then launched the fund, right? So, uh, you know, from that side of things, throughout that process, I got to build that learning by doing experience as an operator. And let's say 10% of that is going to be the lessons learned to implement going on, and 90% of that is failures. Not to say that that's accurate, but it's a better depiction on what people probably perceive as, let's go do and start something. Um, that's raw organic. Uh, you know, if I had a Phillips head flat thread screwdriver, I was talking about like, now we got you know, a, a ratchet over here and that's, you know, that's that because, um, you know, oh shit, I guess I lost my train of thought. What was I just mentioning? talking about ratchets and screwdriver no the Before operational the opera i know i know operational <laughs> yeah. finance and uh, yeah, the 10 percent, 90 percent failure exactly exactly so i'm talking about just what i did to build my breadth of experience uh you know my examples you know evade my thinking sometimes but 
and I wanted to build events that I could either succeed or fail in, so that I could do the same thing that I did in football, learn from it, not do it again, and then build on that portfolio. I had great mentors and still do have great mentors, one of which got the chance to do this behind billion dollar portfolios. They got to manage and commercialize products for 39 of the biggest companies in the world, right? And this is one of you know my dearest business mentors. So now that I get to learn through operational finance, now that I get to do a lot of those international business experience things that I was talking about, you know, I, I can pour those examples off of things that he's experienced. And oh, by the way, now he's the chairman of the board um, you know, on, on, on our front, or on our fund, sorry. So my private equity business now in its first fund is investing in real estate properties. So from an acquisition standpoint, from you know, best practices in and out of deals, ways to structure things to make sure that our investors are taken care of you know, as best possible and not relying solely on my ability to ask and to know the right answers, but building a team around me to kind of support those right answers is, you know, kind of where we now, how I've grown this thing. But, you know, I think the 90-20 thing is just an example of like how I can take percent now and apply it to um, relative examples in Michael, uh, the, our, our, our board chairman, who I was mentioning to things that, that he's had. And now as we continue to grow and scale our, uh, our, our real estate fund, apply that into the fund for the shareholders that are within it, right? So, uh, you know, I think that's kind of been my path and the reasons as to why it's been important to learn through different functions. It, it makes sense. I mean, you have to learn, you have to fail, especially in finance, something like that. No yeah. one's coming in batting a thousand in finance. Cause if you did, we'd all be billionaires, right? Like that's exactly. too easy. So yeah. it, it makes sense that you've gone through, you've went to multiple places, you did all these different things to learn along the way to kind of allow yourself in certain situations to do the wrong thing, not allow yourself, but make a decision, yeah. find out, Hey, I can't, you know, let's not do that anymore. So you yeah. can start Xing out ideas until you really do find that one path that okay, this is what I'm good at. This is what I want to do. And this is, these are the people that are going to help me there. Um, you just made it, you know, a, a great point. And I want to, you know, analyze, um, analogize it, make it an analogy to football. There we go. I'm not great with yeah, words. Yeah. I'm good at talking, not great with words. Anal- right. Is that a word? We're right. close enough. If we made a word we'll, up, we'll, let's, call, we'll call Webster after this. I was just about to say, we'll talk to Webster about it. Um, but I mean, as you said, like you can't do everything by yourself on a football team. A coach needs yeah. the correct players to run a specific scheme, right? So you by yourself can't do much, but if you have the correct players to push you and get you in the right direction, you have the offensive line blocking in the correct way. So if the quarterback can see the, see the wide open receiver, that is all necessary. All of those things are interchangeable, all, not interchangeable. All those things are, um, you know, pieces required. to that puzzle. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They're required. And that's exactly what you're doing now. You're getting all these correct people in the right places, letting them do what they do best. So that way you can say, Hey, this is my vision you guys let's all together push and get there so that we can complete this puzzle together. I think that's awesome, man. And you know, again, we didn't, I only mentioned it once, but CEO project alpha, um, and you're clearly doing some really cool things, man. And I love it. And that's one of the, I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to hang out with you today was to talk about your football career a little bit, but the other reason was to talk about this. So specifically, I don't know how deep you want to go, how shallow or, you know, oh, you're good. What, what exactly are you doing with Project Alpha? I know you mentioned real estate. Um, I know you and I spoke about the cannabis side a little bit. So yeah. what through these kind of uh, ups and not ups and downs, kind of the, the, the uh, 
the trial and error through what you found throughout your, your asset or your, your finance career, what made you want to start this fund? And then what, where is this fund going? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, first, you know, what made me want to start the fund um, realistically boils back again down to my passions for operational finance and leading um, uh, teams, right? Leading high scale, high productive teams. So post playing, you know, it's that question, what do you want to do? What's the legacy you want to leave? I have a passion for finance. I love operational finance to where we can deliver returns, add value. Um, and I know that I can lead an organization very well. I, I, I've done it in practice on the other side. So let's just figure out what this relationship capital uh, can, you know, what, what our assets are going to be from getting myself into Ohio. So, you know, coming here and realizing that, hey, I have a passion. I want to start a private equity business, but um, there's a few holes that I'm going to have if my business wants to get into cannabis. So um, I kind of roundabout talking about the, the why or the what behind the private equity business, but I want to start very simple, if that's okay. The fund that we have active right now is a commercial real estate fund investing in some of the most well-capitalized cannabis operators in the country, period. Located in that. Now, getting deeper, which I think is going to be productive in terms of analyzing what Project Alpha is, there is more depth. Right, so in our first fund, that's just real estate. So traditional real estate, you get paid every month via your lease agreement. That's how we get paid. We just back our risk behind some of the most uh, well-capitalized companies in the given industry that we do business in. And there's easing regulations and opportunities will continue to scale and those equity positions have appreciation potential. So there's a lot of evaluation there. In terms of the business of private equity, uh, or in terms of the business of Project Alpha, we also realized that that relationship with a company that might be one of the highest valued companies in its given industry is valuable from the standpoint of providing them the building that they need to scale and providing them operational capital for the business itself, right? So while Fund One is not investing into in the business or making in the business investments, nor do we want to, right? We have a fiduciary duty to where we can't, um, but the strategy of our business is to say that if we can cash flow off of their building, build relationships, uh, you know, analyze their financials and the performance that they have, the data, um, you know, whether it's growing through our spaces or just other organic metrics that we have, we can say, hey, we have a relationship we've built for the last X number of months, and we want to invest in them from an operational so without having that connection, we have to pay to do due diligence throughout time. So that's not a cash positive um, relationship. Whereas our structure, we can in fund one provide real estate to all of the biggest companies, which majority of conservative commercial real estate investors that want access to the industry are looking for. But then we're saying, hey guys, we know we have relationship value here. These very same companies, might be targets here in you know a few months, right? So our business is going to be add value to all of our equity positions. And our private equity business has a space in both of those categories. Now, deeper than that, there's an advisory portion that obviously advises the positions to add value to them, right? Hey, we wanna go across the country. Okay, well, let me help you do that type of thing. Uh, but very structural to what it is. It is the real estate portion and the traditional private equity. 
That's awesome, man. Um, that is so smart. Um, I mean, I'm not a finance guy, but I can see the path on how this works and the steps and how you laid it out first. You did a great job at explaining it. So thank you for that. But I mean, just the way you lay it out and the understanding of how these things kind of how, again, Mm -hmm. puzzle pieces fit together, um, and making sure that you're not spending the money to look at the books. No, we have the relationship so we can let them know, Hey, we're here for you. Let us help. Exactly. You, you, not only are exactly. you adding value to the company, you're adding value to your clients. You're adding value right. in terms of relationships. You're doing so much more and without having to spend the money to do it. So that, it. that's awesome, you man. It. And you, you know, it. I'm sure some of that was you. I'm sure some of that was your mentors, but however yeah. it happened, it happened. And, and now you're here and now you're doing some cool stuff, man. Yeah. So the best relationships that you can ever think of are the ones where there are two way streets where you're saying, Hey, I'm here to help in any way that I can help. Just, say the word, let's do it. You know, hundred percent. I completely agree, man. And that's how I try and structure all my relationships, personal, uh, business, anything. As you've seen, we had one conversation and you know, I, my, my goal is to help you in one way, shape or form. Um, because now you're helping me by coming on the show and hanging out with me. I know I'm taking up a little bit of your time, but it's been a blast. So I hope you're, hope you're having fun too. But I mean, it's just, it's so cool to see kind of how that stuff mentally, you can kind of start putting that stuff together and you're, you're totally correct. The best relationships are two way streets and where everybody's here to help rising tide lifts all boats. I don't know of any oh, other yeah. cliches you can think of. Um, but you know, I think it's awesome the way you're structuring it. So I guess the next question is why the cannabis industry, you know, with mm-hmm. it being fledgling with it being, yes, as you said, there, there's new, um, opportunities coming up what look like monthly, but there's also the governmental effect of they can snap their fingers and all that stuff is, is, is very hard to come by. So with that being risky, why the cannabis industry and why at this stage? Yeah. So from the standpoint of why the cannabis industry, first, it starts from my passions as to why, like what, what, what difference I wanted to make in finance, right? So that start was to say that there needs to be more people in finance utilizing their mechanisms from a standpoint of sustainability, good, whatever adjective you want to throw in there. But one of the first things that I noted was medicine, so alternative forms of medicine. And I looked at the cannabis industry as an industry to where if there is an intellectual capital, if there is capital going into projects that are delivering some form of application that are bettering lives that are saving lives or giving at least an alternative more healthy version to dealing with something I want to be able to leave that imprint so that's the you know, the emotional side of it now as it relates to the industry the individual I haven't yet had the chance to mention which is another you know whole cover right is this is my other corner Michael's my left corner he's my right corner Adam Mintz Adam Mintz has been in the cannabis industry for 12 years um, has had industry experience across the board, but most importantly, has was the individual who put pen to paper for regulations that were adopted by the federal government. Right, so he has sweat equity into working with, you know, out west the Western Conference Attorneys Generals. Right, so working with regulators at how this industry scales through time. So now, if I have that position in an industry, naturally the entrepreneurs and the opportunities that I am presented with will be curated towards the top. So Adam has built his practice and at the and right now the commercial real estate firm that they've grown uh, with his partner, uh, Sharla Heimer, um, is a $135 million practice and assets under management, right? So, you know, he's figured out ways to like we've talked about, utilize his assets in a way that says, 
I'm in this industry. I have relationships with the top. Let's provide real estate for the top. So that's point two. As it relates to the regulations, point three, we have that standard deviation away from in the business investments. So I've went on this long ordeal about private equity investments into business investor into actual businesses themselves, operational investments. But that's also a step two for strategic reasons. We need also ease of regulation. So in fund one, that standard deviation away says we are traditional landlords. If we play the world stops spinning example, and these companies can no longer pay rent. I own an industrial facility, or I own a retail location that can very well have somebody go in and make gray giant shirts with blue NY on the right and left arm. And though it's a ton of work, though it'll be a lot of late nights from our team's perspective, that's our business, that's our company, right? So that's also how we've mitigated that risk. So I hope that kind of holistically yeah. perspective. Definitely, definitely. I, I love the fact um the the medical um view that you're taking on it. I think it is awesome. I think it's something that should have been done a very long time ago, but as we know, that's not how the world works, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hopefully there's something obviously as we've talked about, it's happening, it's changing, the views are changing. Um, so you know, hopefully one of these days, um, it will uh, have its place in, in medicine more so than it currently does. Um, but I think, you know, what you're doing is awesome, man. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. No, no, no. I, I, think, I think it's important to also look at it. And this is long for a lot of reasons. And hopefully it's beneficial from an information perspective. But Safe Banking Act is an act that's current or is a bill that's currently proposed to the Senate that at some point, whether it be in 6 to 12 to 18 to 24 months, will have its chance to be voted on in the Senate. In the House, it passed 320 some odd to 190. And this gives federal protection to banks to do business with marijuana-related businesses. What that means is that means that there is no regulatory requirement crackdown that's going to happen on any of the operators we do business with. But that also brings another point of saturation. How do you address or target the fact that if that bill gets passed, won't it be easier for your company A to go get and receive money? And I say, you know, 100% will. Will we see cap rate compression? Absolutely. Will we see the equity value of our companies increase because those, their ability to sell more product and increase their value will increase? Yes, right? But, uh, you know, more importantly, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I guess just like my grander point is just the fact that like, as regs e or as regulations ease, you know, we will be that strategic cannabis partner, right? So again, to my value that I was mentioning earlier, we have access to the most well-capitalized companies in the industry. And we've been providing to them for X months, right? A Goldman or a JP Morgan or another banking institution like that that doesn't want to spend the time to go build out an ops team to learn everything in the industry and then internalize all their investment processes. They want to go find managers that have teams that can cover all of their areas. Well, guess who's been doing that for X number of years, months. So that's kind of the strategy and positioning on a state thing. Again, you're just, this is just stacking and stacking. And, and the way, the way you thought this out and, and the way that this is just, again, this is not my industry. I was in finance for a couple of years. I hated it. I got out very quickly, but like just the way you've been able to explain this and, and the very clear 
uh, marks along the map and along the path that you've said, okay, this is what we did. And then the next portion is this. And the next portion is this. And then, you know, we have this, this, and this. Now you have all like six layers. It's very vertically integrated where someone's going to come to you and you're pretty much going to be able to handle all of it and figure out all of it. You guys are going to make a boatload of money doing it, which is very well deserved because you put the time, the energy and the really, all the relationships. Um, you have the risk mitigation factor, as you said, you own the land. So yeah. it's, it's not like it's just going to like, not be there one day like yeah, it might not right. be used for this but it's going to yeah. be used right someone's yeah. going to use it so i mean i love it man you're, you're clearly doing some really cool really cool stuff um and rocking along with it so i i, I appreciate <laughs> and, and that and as are you man i, hey. I definitely want to get a little bit on your town game right i we, mean i think that anybody who is as forward enough to be able to get insightful opinions from people who have such diverse um, stories right blend that into something that's can be communicated to the populace, but then like figuring out ways to build a structure and an organization behind that execution. Like, that takes a lot of hardworking talent. So, you know, on your side too, right? Like you know, props to you as well. Thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, this, uh, it's, it's difficult, but it's so much fun that, uh, you know, I literally woke up today and I said, I get to do this. Like, this is awesome. I cannot yeah. wait. Let's go. And you know, yeah. maybe, maybe I laid in bed for an extra couple minutes cause it was really chilly this morning here in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, we got up, I had my cup of coffee and I started rocking it, man. So, you know, it's, it's awesome. Sincerely appreciate the kind words. Um, so I guess the last question on project alpha, uh, what, what is, like the long-term vision because you've only been doing this for like a year mm -hmm. and change now right yeah, yeah so you're, you're bit, exactly you're this far along already so i'm sure from talking to you for the last yeah. hour and change and, and the, our previous conversation I, I what is what is that far off 10 15 20 year vision look like yeah. uh, for what you guys are trying to do uh two examples would give a great perspective uh i had 26 interviews with goldman so i understand what the goldman standard looks like do i have experience and and stories from working there for x number of years no but i understand from an institutional capital standpoint what that looks like um, on the private equity side what it takes is a book written by steve schwartzman ceo of blackstone uh, you know, one of the most successful private equity businesses Across the globe, right? Talks a lot about it. Talks a lot about how they grew their business. So, wait, what's the name? Of, what's the name of that book? What it takes. What it takes. Um, great okay. book. I would read it. Just, I mean, it's yep. for for anything else. It's just a great story. Writing uh, it down. So, thank you. But uh, you know, I think coupling those two ideals in ten years are exactly where I'm building Project Alpha Two. Uh, you know, relating it back to the long monologues that I've had in, in this show, I would say that you know, it boils itself down into three buckets, our real estate business, our private equity business, and our advisory business, right? So in 10 years, we will be scaling that. So our real estate business can cash flow for its investors and for potential operational investments, right? And we don't have to only apply this model to cannabis, right? That could be SaaS, that could be energy, that could be et cetera, right? So applying that model to an area where we have a 10 out of 10 in order to facilitate the business. There's a Steve Schwarzman quote there. You'll, you'll kind of get a bit of that if you read it, but Michael Giuliano, right? Worked with 39 of the biggest companies in the world and worked for TPG and Blackstone, 10 out of 10. Lean manufacturing curriculum, he's the patent holder, 10 out of 10. You need to work from a, you know, building a private equity business. You're going to work with or you're going to work with manufacturing facilities, you need him, 10 out of 10. Adam Mintz, 
wrote the, you know, set the laws for the industry in its state expansion plan. 10 out of 10. Access to, you know, top flow of deal flow. 10 out of 10. Now, as you look into um, government relations or um, investor relations or SaaS as an investment industry or, you know, multifamily potential uh, you know, homes as a, an investment category, right? We are going to look for those 10 out of 10s that want to join a scaling organization that has the foresight to get in on the tidal wave that's, that, that is the cannabis industry and let that feed the organization to come. I love it. It's awesome, man. I mean, again, like that, it just, that, that huddle has to be insane. Whoever's calling those plays, it, it just must be, you know, Urban Meyer, Scott Frost just saying, you know what, whatever, just, yeah. just figure it out. Just go with it. Cause clearly yeah. the talent that you have amassed is, is insane. Um, and what you're able to do with it again, relationships are, you know, after you get out, after I got out of business school, I quickly, quickly found out it's who, you know, I mean, yep. it's obviously you're going to learn on the job as you have. Um, and that's why, you know, you went through that kind of trial and error phase before you really started this, but it's, uh, it's who, you know, and it's, it's how you can help them so that they mm-hmm. want to help you back. And clearly you did something and you helped them and, and, uh, you know, now they're, they're on your side and, and they're, they're given some time and some energy and, and relationship capital back to you. And clearly, um, you are absolutely running with it, man. So I love it. Yeah. This is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I could, you know, share my story. After. Yeah, Hopefully man. It was it's awesome. And fit the I had a blast. I have actually one last question. So you brought up a foundation earlier. Um, do you, do you have a foundation? Uh, no. I, so again, okay. right. I, I, I lost my train of thought twice because I go on these okay, okay. rampages. Uh-huh. Um, that was one of the men- I was just mentioning uh, foundations as uh, okay, generally, a, a okay, potential cool. placeholder yep. of something. Love it, love it, love it. But clearly, you're you're still helping the world in some capacity, in multiple totally. capacities. It looks yeah. like so that's good enough for me. I'm sure you will have one one day that you are very yeah. passionate about, and yeah. you can help, especially through the business, because that's what people love looking at now is totally. is that extra layer of okay, you're helping the world, but what else are you doing, and how else yeah. are you doing it? And through a foundation is always a very um, easy place to go. Plus tax savings are good. But anyway, exactly. Evan, yeah. this was absolutely fantastic. One more time, Evan Spencer, 2014 national champ of OSU, played for the Redskins, played for the Buccaneers, CEO of Project Alpha. Evan, this was awesome, man. Thank you so much yeah. for your time. Ton of fun, man. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and all the episodes of For the Love of Sports. Um, on a personal note, I would really like to say thank you and and sincerely, sincerely mean that. This is the actual favorite thing that I get to do. Just talk to incredible people have great conversations and I learn and hopefully you're learning something and hopefully we can laugh along the way. So if you could please give this a five-star review, if you could please share this, um, subscribe to it, do whatever you have to do. The more people that do that, the more these stories and these conversations get out. And I'm really hoping that one day, um, one day soon, this will be something that I get to do as a full-time job um, on top of my other full-time job, of course. But this is an absolute blast. Sincerely appreciate it. Check the show notes for all social media handles. Anything that came from the episode, we'll have everything down there. And I hope you really did enjoy it. So if there's anything I can do better, please make sure to reach out. Uh, my email address, michael.raziel1 at gmail. Please make sure to check me out on LinkedIn, uh, on Instagram, and, and just reach out because I'm willing to answer any questions. And hey, if you got a cool story, I'd love to have you on as well. So thank you so much. Sincerely appreciate it. And I hope you make it a wonderful day.